The year is 2000. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. My Marvelous Year 2000, Part 2. This is the podcast and reading club where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm debuting founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com, the originator of the My Marvelous Year concept, the greatest Marvel Comics reading concept of all time. Very proud, very proud of My Marvelous Year today. I am joined today to talk about two very interesting works. We're going to talk about Punisher, Welcome Back, Frank, this is the Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon 12 issues that kicked off uh, their Punisher era in 2000. And then we're going to talk about some more Christopher Priest written Black Panther, including a Deadpool crossover. Now, first individual joining me today, they are constantly, constantly kicked out of zoos for saying they're too boring and punching the polar bears. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? It's good. Uh, I just wish they wouldn't sleep so much. Uh, it is my biggest problem with the zoo is that you're like the, all oh, the sleepy animals let's get to the lions i can't wait to see the lions oh yeah they're uh they're over there under a bush now have you have you figured out when the animals are most likely to be awake like is there a window i'm sure i don't know i didn't look at you it just up. you haven't cracked it yet either. <laughs> okay. uh yeah it's probably before you could go in i think the zoo opens at nine uh i do go, I, i've been to the zoo like six times in the last year so this is not really a joke i just went last weekend with my sister um the san diego zoo and uh, I did tell her the flamingos are my favorite animal there, and it's because they never, they're never sleepy or sedate. They're always mixing it up with one another. They're always yeah, trotting yeah. around. I was like, in the next minute we will see a fight, and then in the next minute we saw a fight because the flamingos are always getting each other's face. It's, That's uh, funny. That's funny. Great. At our zoo, my favorite are the the seat are uh, the turtles, just like land turtles because they're mm. always mixing it up. It's the same thing. Really? It's like it would. It's not my favorite animal, but they're always getting at they're it. They're entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> No. Very slowly. Like, if I said within the next minute something will happen, I'd be, it'd be true, but it would take another 10 minutes for them to get to each other. Right? Classic <laughs> turtles. They'd lock <laughs> eyes in the next minute to instigate the fight. But, yeah. <laughs> very slow intimidation process. All right. Very good. Well, I hope they can unban you sometime soon because it sounds like you enjoy going to the zoo. Okay. Uh, we are also joined today by an individual who every time there's a new Black Panther trailer lately... Every single time, she is hitting the web hard, looking for the return of Eric Killmonger, and no data is found. She's trying to figure out how can we bring back Killmonger, just like we see in these Black Panther comics today. How's it going, Charlotte? Hi. Yeah, I will not rest until uh, Michael B. Jordan comes comes like personally to to the Black Panther premiere at my at my personal theater. I will not rest until Michael B. Jordan comes. <laughs> Yep. Period. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just sample that out. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I'm a lesbian, but Michael can get it. <laughs> well, and you know what? It, it, Zach's going to be not resting for a really long time because Michael B. Jordan is notoriously straight edge. He, he famously <laughs> has not had sex in decades. <laughs> Wait, that's not true. What? Famously. Famously. <laughs> 
And he's like, sex symbol? That's wrong. I'm straight edge. And then he draws like a cool <laughs> I'm a doodle celibate in his notebook. Symbol. Yeah, um, yeah. So, all right. Okay, well, that that went off the rails. But He's good dating Steve Harvey's daughter. <laughs> think, Sorry. It, uh, and, you know. He's dating Steve Harvey? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean. That's a sexy couple. You're dating Steve, Steve Harvey, Harvey and Michael B. Jordan are a sexy That's a couple. really fun couple. I will agree. Yeah. I'm sorry. You can't. Oh, no, he's not. They uh, they just broke up a couple months ago. Oh, wow. so sorry, Sounds Michael. like a family feud about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Sorry, Charlotte. You were making a joke, and I hijacked it. Uh, did you yep. want to get back to that joke? <laughs> I was just going to say, we aren't just the funniest podcast of all time. We do also talk about comic books. And today we're going to talk about, first up, Punisher, issues number one to number 12, 2000 series, writer Garth Ennis, artist Steve Dillon, inks by Jimmy Palmiotti, friend of the show, Jimmy Palmiotti, friend of Comic Book Herald, friend of my marvelous year. Uh, we're going to talk about Punisher. Welcome back, Frank. We read the whole shebang because it's good, because it's classic, because it's iconic. We read all 12 issues. Is it? Oh, yeah. all right. Let's yeah. start. There. I knew. I knew let's it. Start there. Does welcome back, Frank. Hold up. This is like this is definitely held up as the place to start with Punisher. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are yeah. a reader in 2022, and I hope that you are, um, you know, if you say I want to read some Punisher comics. There's no way this isn't the first one somebody hands you. Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe go read Born. that first Spider-Man one, but that's it. Like, maybe the actual 70s debut. Yeah, but like welcome back, Frank is is. Probably the most likely pick. Uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Do you like these comics? What happened? I uh, That's... I don't have a yes or no answer to this. I think... I mean, do I like it? No. Do I think it's good? Kind of. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. It's... <laughs> I thought you were going to say also no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I agree. It's probably the... It's definitely the best Punisher. It's not the best Frank Castle comic I've read, but it's the best Punisher comic I've read. Um, and I think it just goes further in my thinking that I just don't like Punisher, which is interesting because there, I was thinking about that recently. There are no Marvel characters I don't like. I either like them or I'm like neutral and ready to be like impressed. Yeah. With Punisher, I'm just like, I just don't like him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I've never been, or at least I don't like his comics. I've, I've never been interested into in yeah, Punisher as man. a main character. <laughs> he would, he would <laughs> yes, never Frank. hurt a fly. How could you say this about Frank? <laughs> but I think I really like Punisher as like a like a semi antagonist for Daredevil or Spider Man or people like that to bounce off of. As a main character, I've never been interested in any of his comics, and that's confirmed here. And it doesn't help that I really, 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 really dislike uh, Garth Ennis' style, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we'll yeah. get into that. We'll get into that, the Ennis and Dylan of it all. Um, Zach, but it's, it's a compet- competent comic. Like, that's sure. For sure, for sure. Zach, what's what's your welcome back, Frank, take? Now that Charlotte came in, guns blazing, and I love it. <laughs> it's funny. Yesterday, her and I recorded our first episode of Extra Issues, <clears throat> which you can find on the uh, the Patreon, patreon.com, slash this year, the $5 tier. Talked about watching. You don't have to hide it. We're all in support of this advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that money goes to all ship. of us, even though Dave wasn't even involved. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, we talked about that. And at the end, I was like, oh, yeah, we got to go read some Punisher comics. And Charlotte was like, ugh, Punisher comics. And I was like, no, this one's pretty good. Like, yeah, this is the one that, you know, like, it's sillier. It's goofier. It's definitely not trying to, like, take as seriously as like, just being, you know, like 
this is some kind of uh, catharsis for people who feel beset by crime. Okay, and then I was go go ahead, go ahead. I was reading it again after we had had that discussion, and I was like, "Yeah, oh no, I was wrong. Charlotte's not going to like this." (laughs) So, like, I knew as I was reading it again, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is not." Um, No, I think it is. I think Ennis is not. I don't think Ennis is really trying to make some kind of point here about uh he he's he doesn't he's a little like mark miller i mean there's a big similarity between the two of them right they're both very like huge ns miller similarities in this they're very provocative they definitely want to (laughs) provoke with it and they often will i think they're also both scottish zach i think they come from like the same Uh, country i think he's like ns is irish um i definitely don't understand the geopolitical implications of what i just said northern northern ireland so pretty rude, pretty rude. Oh, Charles, and you're the only friend I've ever had. <laughs> okay, well, let's double down on that. I'm the richest <laughs> duck in the world. <laughs> <laughs> they'll they'll favor the provocation over any kind of like political coherence, <laughs> or like even even their own political worldview, right? So like, he will lump together uh, a killer <laughs> who is. You know, the priest who's kind of like the priest who, to me, is clearly killing just a bunch of black people. Uh, it seems the holy. like. Yeah, the holy. Uh, we've got all these extra vigilantes here. So we've got the holy, the elite and payback. And the the holy keeps killing these criminals who come in who like to confess their crimes because they want to be done with it. But they're like, just because I confess, that means I can get away with it. And then they confess doing these horrible horrible things and then the elite who is just like a nimby <laughs> like this white guy who uh just wants to clean up his streets and get you know basically just push any uh black people and uh homeless people and food carts and whatever off the his streets uh and protect property value and then there's payback who wants to punish like corporate malfeasance and the people who are harmed by like these corporations one of these is not like the other, <laughs> right? Yep. Like one of these yeah. is uh, is an actual issue. Maybe you don't uh, shoot a rocket launcher into their helicopter. And at the end, even Ennis acknowledges that where he's just like, says to the holy, you're a lunatic, the elite, you're a Nazi. And then payback, he's just like, uh, you are too sloppy in your methods. You killed somebody else accidentally, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, Ennis probably actually sides with that guy. Uh, much more than the other ones. And you can tell he puts more attention into that guy. Um, but at the same time, he also just wants the joke and the punchline. And that will overwrite everything else. And for him, you know, it is. It's the joke and the punchline. And it's the fun goofiness. Uh, and, and I feel like this is this is a good, like, baby's first Garth, Garth Ennis. If you don't respond to this, like, I have a hard time thinking, like, we're going to read The Boys, Charlotte. Well, I'm going <laughs> to hate know, the, boys. The, the, boys the, the Boys. The Boys episode, I'm sure she's going to be great. Uh, two, two, three months, something for extra two, issues. Two, three months. Yeah. Okay, that's what that's extra issues. Yeah, I, you need to, not need to, I, I don't want to command you, you here, but like, have a guest who likes it, because neither of you is going to like the boys, I promise you. I, I, promise I mean, you. I like Ennis generally, and I love the, like, Preacher is one of my favorite comics of all time. Yeah, I let's, let's, Preacher. let's talk about that, because Preacher Flippin' yeah. Rules, right? Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon yeah. on Preacher is, is a classic. It's one of my favorite comics of all time, right? So like, getting... Yeah. Ennis and Dylan as a creative unit onto Punisher is a big flipping deal yeah. in the comics world. You know, like it's not it's not making the splash that Kevin Smith to Daredevil makes for Joe Quesada and Jimmy P, you know, with Marvel Knights. Um, but this is the biggest creative unit that they've pulled in onto the Marvel side. Now, we have read 
Ennis doing Punisher before with Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe, which I think is surprisingly good um, for 1995 and for what that concept sort of suggests. It's a fairly memorable, decent read. Um, But Punisher and Dylan at this point are like coming up on like the final year of Preacher. So like they're deep into an all-time great comic. And to Charlotte's point, they know how to make a comic book, like a real good yeah. one too. Like they they are incredibly seasoned. Um, I was listening to an interview with Ennis on. He was talking about this work. He was talking about Welcome Back, Frank. Specifically, I think it's on Forbidden Planets. Is Forbidden Planet YouTube interview, and um, it's a twenty year anniversary of Welcome Back, Frank. And he was talking about how Preacher, there was a limitation to like how big they could get being known for that book. Which I thought was interesting, right? Because I kind of think of 90s Vertigo stuff, Sandman, Preacher, um, Transmet, the like, as being like these huge things. And they were for for what they are. But that audience, Guinness was basically saying, like, pales in comparison to what The Punisher did for them. It's so strange. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's like so The Punisher and, and the people that would read that in the Marvel Comics atmosphere, that shot them into superstardom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a lot of pe- folks, a lot of new folks could go back and be like, well, what else have they done? Oh, Preacher, right? And they find it that way, um, which was really interesting to me because that's obviously net positive. Zach, I don't even know if you said, like, like just like big picture, like in, out on Welcome Back, Frank. I do really like these comics. Um, I think they read quite well. I really like Ennis's take on Norish crime narrated Frank. I think there's a brevity to it. There's there's just a 70s dirty hairy cool guy to it that I do kind of like. Um now throughout my marvelous year, I mean I've definitely gravitated towards towards Charlotte's sort of side of things in the sense of like I actually don't like the Punisher. Um I'm not a Punisher fan. We didn't read a ton of Punisher in the 90s and obviously there are a ton of Punisher comics in the 90s, right? I kind of like Mike Barron's take on Circle of Blood. Um, and now that I say that name out loud, I'm not sure I even got that right. Um, but that's like the 86 miniseries. But I, I probably at this point, I have the most fun with those early days Punisher showing up in Spidey comics, Marv Wolfman or Jerry Conway comics, where it's just kind of goofy, you know, where there's a playfulness. Because that's yeah. like this is another thing I talked about in this interview. And Charlotte, you were you were alluding to this as well. The Punisher does not fit in the Marvel Universe. Like, the Punisher does not fit in this bright, glowing superhero universe. And that's one of the challenges that I think Ennis and Dylan have with the characters and that creators have had with the characters, you know, in perpetuity, is like a a vigilante murderer styled after 70s revenge thrillers, very specifically, has a hard time fitting in in a world of Spider-Man and Daredevil and Avengers. To me, he has a hard time fitting in when you build the comic in which he appears around his whole deal. Because to me, he works very well when he's, like I said, against Daredevil or Mm -hmm. Spider-Man in their comics. Because he has to... he His whole deal is weird in their world, but that creates something interesting. But when it's like... His Punisher world and then Daredevil shows up and it that's that's weird. Like that the the one issue where Daredevil shows up felt like that's that's another universe. That's another Daredevil. Like you that's not the same Daredevil that it mm. you forget that there are other superheroes around. Once in a while someone yeah. will like the Russian guy mentions Thor and you're like, That's weird. It's weird to think of Thor in this world, right? Yeah. Like in this comic I think book. Like 
It, it doesn't. I think where it works the best is with the three like copycat vigilantes, which is the part of this comic I actually actually kind of like. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fun idea for Punisher, and I think it only works if you're in a world of people like having hero and villain identities. I think like the the costume of elite 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 what the elite f- how, how do you? elite. elite. Uh, I think his costume is very fun as like a Marvel costume. Uh, I think those characters work best if you remember that the Punisher lives in a superhero world. Yeah. Outside of that, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a very weird feat. Feat, feat, feat. Well, and I think when Daredevil <laughs> shows up, it's a really good example of, it does feel like he's coming in. It's like that's Punisher Universe Daredevil, not Marvel Universe Daredevil, right? It has that yeah. kind of feel. There's also something that comes through, and I think it's issue three when Daredevil shows up. Garth Ennis, particularly at this moment in time, and I imagine Steve Dillon's sensibilities sort of align, right? Because they, they just feel like one of those creative units that are so in lockstep that you sort of imagine them having similar views about how to approach these things. They don't like superheroes. <laughs> like, like that's something when you read The Boys, you know, you will see in spades. Um, yeah. But, like, pretty famously are, like, super cynical about superhero comics. It's not their bread and butter, and it never will be. Like, mm-hmm. Garth Ennis doesn't go yeah. on to, like, write a superhero run. That never happens. Yeah. Right? The closest Nine thing years is the boys, this, which is just... about the cynicism of yeah. what they represent. Um, so when Daredevil shows up, he's kind of a punching bag. Um, and he's kind of there to he's there to make Frank look cool. And I think a lot of times the stories that we remember, like Frank Miller, Daredevil Punisher sequences, or uh Chip Zdarsky in in the start of his run has a really great sequence. They're there to make Daredevil stand out and they're there to emphasize daredevil's character here's the opposite here's the opposite it's made to look make daredevil look weak and make frank look strong um yeah and, Which and that is may- intentional. maybe that's a problem maybe it's the point is just that no matter the situation i will never find punisher more cool than daredevil even like if you mm. you write the most like gravelly dumb uh, like just completely lost uh, version of Daredevil like he does uh, in this comic. Like, the only thing it success- succeeds in doing is, like, putting that universe in a very different pocket. It's just completely... It's impossible to reconcile this with Punisher by appearing in uh, Miller's Daredevil. Like, that's just... That's not the same universe. That or, can't work. <clears throat> or is. Marvel Knights, that we just saw him fighting Ulla Patrol. Marvel Knights, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> that yeah, is... it's funny It's funny how dissonant it is from that series, for sure. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. those, those yeah, feel completely dissonant. I mean, part of it is Punisher being kind of an odd character, but part of it is Ennis. Ennis not being interested in making this anything except, like, a gritty crime book. Not even a gritty crime book, uh, you know, but a, a very, like, crime-focused crime book. There's I do think that's this. a good thing. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think it's fine. Like, I think it, it works well. It's funny, because I did look up... I was looking up some Garth Ennis stuff, and I found, like, post after post of, like, why does Garth Ennis hate superheroes? Like. Yeah. And I just can't read this book anymore. It's clear that he just hates superheroes, which is funny because, I don't know, that doesn't really have anything to do with the work. Uh, unless he is, like, mocking. Uh, I, I don't know if Punisher later then goes on to, like, further there, mock the rest of the Marvel There's a fairly universe. famous issue that mocks Wolverine like nothing else in Marvel ever has. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. So that's probably the most stand. I, I can't but remember. That, if that kind of sounds Max fun. Or... I would. I'm into that. My, like Wolverine can be made fun of. <laughs> like, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that the joke lands or anything. But uh, I'm okay with someone taking like some pot shots. And and you know, Daredevil's issue here is interesting, right? Because I mean, it, Ennis is really interesting and in, interested in pathetic men. 
Um, it's such a through line of his work. Mm. <laughs> he's the like pathetic, degraded man. Um, I mean, he's so gross all the time. Like, just like his humans, he's interested in people humiliating themselves, people being physically uh, like degraded through physical deformity. That's a Mutilated. real like, yeah. through line. Is like mutilation as gag. Um, that's a real thing in Preacher. Like, he just repeat. It, it is funny how much of this he's just like. Oh, that worked really re- well in Preacher. I'll do the same joke, like, with um, the the head of this crime family being pulled apart and having all her limbs pulled off by a polar bear. And then she's just kind of a, you know, a torso. Um, like, a- as a, a gag here, uh, that's something he definitely does in Preacher, too. Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, but, like, also just, I mean, we get a lot of focus on this cop who's following the case. And it's... Just that he's kind of a pathetic sad sack, and that's something like Ennis really thinks is funny and likes to like play around with. Um, not one hundred percent un like unempathetically. Like he definitely is interested in the character, but he also is interested in just mocking him through this. And I mean, like you get the behavioral psychologist who commits suicide immediately because his uh, partner criticized him lightly once. Like that's how <laughs> bad of a cop the guy is that he talks somebody into suicide uh, immediately. I get this not landing for people, and I get this not working for Charlotte. Uh, <clears throat> I think Ennis is a really, like, I don't want to say acquired taste, but he's a very distinct taste. And, like, people who bounce off of it, I 100% understand. Um, yeah. You, you, like... you got to get on his wavelength, you know. You don't have to, but, like, you have to enjoy this. You have to be on his specific wavelength and be like, yeah. I get the jokes he's making. I kind of get the tone and, you know, that he's very irreverent, I guess. Like, to me, it feels like what we, I mean, what you said with the early, I think it was Ultimate X-Men and Ultimates mm-hmm. by Miller. Yeah. Where, like, sometimes you'll have a joke that's, like, it feels like Mark Miller isn't, for a few seconds, for one page, Mark Miller just stops taking it seriously at all and just makes a very weird, like, graphic or, or disgusting joke. And then it goes back to the comic. And to me, Garth Ennis's Punisher feels like you take all those parts and you just make the full comic out of them. Well, yeah. see that, Which but that works for me, for me because he's not really. I mean, he is like building a little Punisher story here with characters and stuff. But like at the same time, that is the tone he lives in, right? Yeah. Like he wants to. I mean, he wants to have a story where the crime boss gets all of her limbs torn off, and then it's just you know this woman uh, torso who's like the the antagonist here, uh, and I, I don't know. One of the villains here is a giant Russian man who who is just susceptible <laughs> to heat, like. Uh, he he doesn't like being burned. Take a note, and then like throws hot pizza, and then he kill <laughs> he kills the guy by just dropping an obese man on him. Not even dropping an obese man, tipping a obese man on top of him, and then like laying on top of him for half an hour so that the man smothers. Like it's really really stupid, and like he doesn't take it. Yeah, he doesn't take it that I, seriously. I, I do think the works. tone the tone's important here because yeah, well it fun, is. Yeah. I mean the the positive. And the positive interpretation of the tone is it's fun, goofy, and playful Punisher. But you have to undercut that and say, well, it's goofy, but it's also, like, often very dark humor. Um, And I think the thing for me with Ennis' work is, and this is, I I think in Preacher he works out the kinks in this after, like, the first ten issues. So it's less of a problem for me. Um, But then again, you have a recurring character named Arseface. So like, our space is our space is mildly funny for a bit, but never as funny as Ennis thinks it is. Yeah, it just yeah. Just keeps going back to it. Well, it's, and there's a there can be a cruelty 
to his humor oh, that yeah. I find very oh, off-putting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of the reasons why I think the boys, the comic, I, I perpetually could never get on board and why I think the show is so much better. Um, Punisher, it mitigates some of that. You know, it is a Marvel Knights book, but it is like Marvel Max hasn't been established yet, so it can't go as off the rails, you know, as maybe it wants to. Um, I think, like, like there's a lot of, like, fat guy jokes in this that oh, I just, like, that just never yeah. connect. I never find funny. And you can just tell there's, like, a giggling creative duo that I'm just like, yeah, this kind of sucks. But it's also, like, I don't know. A lot of the stuff isn't, it isn't as over the top um, or, or sort of, like, immature as as you feel like maybe it wants to be. And I think that's to its benefit. In a lot of instances, can, can but, like that about, would be my biggest critique of it <laughs> about Mr. Bumpo, the the, the, yeah, the fat joke target. I, I I agree. I mean, it's a bunch of fat jokes, and it's. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, it's weirdly like it's not just your. Gr- it's not gross that he's fat. It's that he's like kind of a hapless <laughs> idiot who continually has like cardiac. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> like the characters. The thing, like he has, a, yeah, that's what I mean. And like, but also. I, I, and I'm not like fully excusing it. Like it definitely is like some fat phobic stuff. But also, it, it is part of Ennis's just thinking bodies are weird and gross overall. Like he does, it's just a lot of different bodies. And the fact that he just is like fat people are gross, but he also thinks like thin people are gross and people with a lot of piercings are gross and weird, right? Like he's he is just kind of like God. It sounds like me defending Ennis is. Uh, it's very weird to hear it come out of my mouth because it feels like I'm defending like South Park, where I'm like, yeah, he's an equal opportunity. It's a bit offender. of that. It's a bit of that. Yeah, but but does, I think both of us are Garth Ennis fans. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, and I do say right? like, uh, pre- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Preacher does it considerably better because I think he finds a balance in Preacher much more. Where like, <laughs> yes, he's making all these jokes, these sometimes cruel jokes and sometimes very glib jokes, but also he has characters that are like that you care about and have real emotions and real conversations like adults. And there are like actual, yeah, there's a core of like humanity behind it. And then he like layers on, like it's a good balance there. And he's like really building a world that he takes seriously. Well, okay. And that's exactly it is Punisher. Welcome back Frank. The creators are not taking the world seriously. They are just trying to entertain. Well, no, I will say that I, I do no, think they're they, they go on. Some, Ennis has said this repeatedly. It's in stuff. the intro to the trade. He says yeah. it in the interview. He <laughs> okay. goes on to to actually be like, okay, there's something to say about violence begetting violence, and that that will become more more thoughtful in like his Punisher Max run specifically. Um, here, it's not. That's not the goal. It's not the stated aim. Now, there no. is some <laughs> semi-effective commentary. I think you know to Charlotte's point about like the various vigilantes connecting. There, yeah. I think the one thing that Edison Dillon sell pretty well is like, hey, Frank Castle, he's a lunatic. Like, if you're rooting for him, you're rooting for characters like these other lunatics who are murdering people for all the wrong reasons, right? Like, they see a hero in Punisher. You know, the Holy is literally celebrating when he sees Punisher killing bad guys because he's like, that's what I do too. We're just alike. I think critiquing and satirizing that mentality is super effective, or it can be. Um, so I, I do quite like the, cause otherwise the story, I mean, the story is just, it's a back to basics Frank story. You know, we haven't even talked about like, this is post angel demon hunting Punisher, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like the, yeah, the yeah. previous Marvel Knights four issues is Frank is the, is the weapon of angels. What's the angel of vengeance kind of thing. 
Um, it it and he'd been supernatural for a bit, right? And it's just like it strips all that away, and it's like it's literally a back to basics Punisher story. It's a give the people what they want Punisher story, and it's super successful as a result. And that's why when I talk about it being you know an intro to the character for a lot of fans, that's why you know because it's just it's a back to basics thing, and it's it's to the point where it's just Frank by himself in an apartment with this cast of kind of oddballs. You know, with a with an obese man and a guy who has a ton of piercings named Spacker Dave, and this very shy woman who keeps baking things for Frank. You know, and it's like it's super simple in its premise, but it's also kind of refreshing to to bring Frank back to that. But then the story, if you take away the the vigilantism and the commentary there, the story would otherwise just be Frank versus a mob. You know, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's just Punisher yeah. versus the Manucci crime family, um, which is like kind of the simplest stuff you can do with Punisher. There's no kingpin. There's no elaborate schemes. It's just him versus mob. And, and they're know, not even that good at it. Like, you yeah. know, and there's there's not particularly like, <clears throat> I mean, it's funny. The uh, the Punisher movie is strongly based on this. Have you seen that? Either I've seen you? parts of various Punisher movies, but like, I, I guess the answer is no. <laughs> I, I haven't the really two, seen it. The 2004 one, I think it's kind of worth watching. Uh, at least Who, who's I, in I that one? If, Which one is that? Do you know? with tom jane and john okay. john travolta is the mob boss but also it has like spacker dave and it's got mr bumpo and, and it's got joan like it's him in the apartment it's him so fighting it's, it's like that referential interesting oh i mean the russian shows up to his apartment and they <laughs> there's a funny scene of like opera playing next door and the and neighbors are all singing opera while cooking like spaghetti and uh and meanwhile in the next room uh, Tom Jane, the Punisher, is getting like beaten up, like thrown against each wall. Uh, is it a Russian. semi-goofy movie? It it's got a really serious tone until it doesn't. <laughs> like, okay. but it, it kind of has a similar tone to this. Uh, I mean, but it takes a lot of beats from it, right? Like, it's got the sure. Yeah, there's a lot of story beats that he takes straight from this. The uh, the little ballistic knife thing that he shoots out, like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Um, him yeah. killing all the assassins who are hired to kill him like one at a time that that sequence is in there yeah um so yeah it's very loyal to this but it also it maybe doesn't <clears throat> get the it's not the same tone it's not nearly as silly um but yeah it's kind of it's kind of worth watching yeah i again i get people bouncing off of this i think to me like it just for punisher who's not a, a character i love i'm not always like oh a punisher comic gotta run to that but um the thing that like has turned me off for so long from the punisher is that like this is catharsis for, like, he's killing the people out there that, like, are ravaging your grandmother just for, like, the thrill kill of it uh, in, in the, the streets. Like, your sweet little grandma can't even walk outside without being harassed by these animals, right? And it's, and it's Don't got, I know it. Yeah, it's got a real, like, nasty racial uh, undertone yeah. to it. Which is, like, uh, I will say, I think where it works the most for me... Well, outside of the the three copycats uh, virginity stuff, is where it's like full on completely goofy, but still violent, but still, but way too over the top. The Russian really works for me. Have, have either of you ever read uh, Asterix and Obelix? Mm-mm. No, because no. in that, like, it's it's a comedy comic about like uh, French uh, golds uh, fighting back against the Romans, and like the character of Obelix is just this this big oaf who is hyper strong but doesn't get his own strength so there are gags where he just like 
completely breaks a wall, but he just doesn't really realize it or like what he's done. And the like, I feel like the Russian is kind of Ennis's version of that in a way that I actually find kind of fun. Like he he hugs a guy but just accidentally that, kills him because he's too strong. That's <laughs> that that's joke, funny. That joke really that's good. cracked me up. Where he was yeah. like, he's trying to convince the guy like it's fine, I'll protect you. Let's go. And like he gives him a big bear hug or like a side hug <laughs> and crushes him to death accidentally. Yeah, and even like the scene where the scene where he's introduced, you find you like the dead bodies he leaves behind are are like the, the thing Ennis is like of just weird mutilation, and they're like in weird shapes. They he shoved their heads up, up their asses, and twisted back. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's, it's it's so over the top that it works. I feel like, but when it's side by side with just a white fascist killing a black person who's just like trying to sell weed like that d- doesn't work together to me i mean i think like to me you see that and like that guy is not you know even between him and punisher there's a line drawn where you watch the elite and you're just like oh this guy's a lunatic and then even at the end he's like you're a nazi <laughs> right? yeah. if the punisher calls you a nazi something's up so i like yeah. i think that at least was very clear to me that he was like mocking uh you know like suburban um this like sur- suburban preciousness about like their neighborhoods and the uh the the extent they'll go to like keep their neighborhoods clean quote unquote um so that that one didn't bother me because i really thought like he, he made it clear to me that that was a character to be kind of made fun of there's no there's no celebration of that character um yeah i no don't sense it is, of, like, but it's still so cool. going back to like real violence like oh, yeah. real race racial violence in a way that just doesn't jam with the over the top dumb violence that can barely be tied to any kind of real life violence. I know that I think Yeah, but I'm I'm okay. I think it just doesn't work for me and that doesn't mean it's not yeah. it doesn't work at all. It's just to me I can't get into I, I can't get into the comic just because yeah, I don't know. I I don't like Garth Ennis' style. At least maybe like a more balanced version of that style I could get into more if it was like full on that goofy uh, over the top violence. We'll, we'll have to preacher, find a reason to preacher's read Preacher's the best balance at some point. Yeah. 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 I mean, Preacher's the best version of that where it's it's character and it's commentary and it's purposeful. Once it once it proceeds, I, I I've said this many times, but like the first ten issues of Preacher, I was like pretty out on. I was like, mm, I, no, oh. that's crazy. That's great. The the first arc, yes. The first seven maybe but like uh what the thing with the guy's face getting torn off and stapled that's to the his first, head yeah that's the first arc uh or the first like two arcs the second that specifically arc is, was so like shock jock we're here to we're here to you know really really shock you kind of comic where i was like i don't i'm not feeling this but then it proceeds yeah. into something excellent i think yeah. um okay so one thing we're super underselling with this as we talk about the tone and the garth ennis of it all which is which is important uh steve dillon and jimmy palmiotti kill it on this mm-hmm. book, yeah. I mean, this book yeah. looks so good. I think that is that is one element of why it has stood the test of time. I think so effectively is Steve Dillon walks into the joint and he's just like, "Oh, here's what the Punisher looks like." You know, he looks like one of my preacher characters. <laughs> well, like... he's got such a uniform style. I mean, there's there's some very few people as distinctive <laughs> as him in like in the way they draw faces and the way they draw lips and little, like there are such. I'm like that's a Steve Dillon snarl. That's Steve Dillon lip bite. Right. One of the like, easiest. One of the easiest artists to like just look at a page and be like, who is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can honestly. I can even say that's a Steve Dillon bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Or even his, right. his animals. Yeah. yeah. He he did like. Uh, I I mean, what, what something that's interesting is uh reading this comic and thinking it felt really tame for Ennis and Dillon. 
<laughs> because oh, sure. yeah. like Marvel must have had them tone it down because like compared to Preacher, this is like uh, for children. Um, because like the blood had to be black here, right? They made the blood black instead of red, which is really funny because in other panels, like you see Punisher holding up, you know, the Russian's decapitated head, um, or twisting someone's neck all the way around. It's red and it, it's red in my copy. Oh, that's weird. Marvel Unlimited, it's black. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It's like sometimes what? it's even was it? Yeah, I think it was here. Like sometimes it's like greenish yellow. There's one I think. At times where payback is shooting people, and like it looks like there's goo, just weird green goo coming out of their skulls. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yep. I'm reading yeah, the yeah. trade, um, the original. Yeah, trade. maybe, maybe Marvel was... Limited needed to yeah. wanted to clean it up, which is funny because other comics are very like uh, Old Man Logan is very. Yeah, violent. I don't think of that I've being a thing. Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Um, I I love the style of this. I mean, I, yeah, I, I love Dylan's great. take on this. I think everything is so distinctive. I think just the the pacing and the layout, like we said, like they have so many reps under their belt on Preacher at this point that, like, even if the story was just, like, crass and cruel and awful, and I don't think it is, um, it would still look good. <laughs> it would still be competently put together. They were they were such a match made in heaven, too. <laughs> like, the two of them specifically yeah. together. Because yeah. Dylan does not write... Like, his characters don't look nice. They're not pretty, right? Like, he is not going to do... Che- like, the idea of Dylan doing something like cheesecake is really funny. I was just like... thinking that, that it's so... It's so... <laughs> not sexualized and when you think about early 2000s comics and we're talking about a punisher comic that has a crassness to it you know like when that when the detective uh molly shows up Mm -hmm. there's a a different artist and she's got cleavage for days right Mm -hmm. that character's like never hyper sexualized it's it's actually surprising i i do (laughs) i do really like the joke of part of his uh being such a sad sack is that he falls in love with a lesbian and the reveal of that the back and forth where he was just like what's her name molly is that what you said yeah yeah. and he's just like oh molly you're so she's like a lesbian and he's like uh anyway so about the police commissioner (laughs) like (laughs) the the little back and forth on that really cracked me up yeah that's the funny Uh, scene (laughs) also the first like explicit acknowledgement of gay people have we had before oh no no we had i mean north star, north no, star. the north star uh yeah in the crushing baby yeah. episode but like <laughs> so casually without it being like i mean it's a little bit of a degrading joke. in any way it's yeah. He, yeah. he's using it as a joke to a degree but also it's just she's the character but the joke isn't that she's a lesbian right the joke yeah is that exactly. he's in love with a lesbian yeah 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 it's his experience i agree yeah yeah that's uh yeah it's pretty good uh yeah and D- dylan's like because i mean dylan's characters are just kind of like sometimes they can be kind of cool and grisly but most of the time they just look dumb (laughs) like they look like idiots and they look kind of like he just has a very unflattering view of people and the way he draws people and that's also ennis's style so i think like the two of them coming together it's weird when i see a dylan comic where the artist is like trying to do a kind of a normal straightforward story and then you get ennis's or uh dylan's like people in it and i'm like yeah but these are these are ugl- uggos, right? Like, this is a, a world, you know, that, that's lost. Uh, I don't know. His his Hellblazer, is that him and Ennis as well? I haven't read the Ennis run of Hellblazer. Uh, Garth Ennis writes some really good Hellblazer. I don't... The parts I've read are not with Steve Dillon. Okay, because um, Dillon does... I'm looking, like, basically, like, 63 through 83. I don't know if those are the same Ennis ones. But... Well, maybe they do do a bunch together. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't read a ton of Hellblazer. So I'm definitely not appropriate. Charlotte, we'll have to find a, a reason to read Preacher for extra issues. We'll have to yeah. <laughs> find a theme uh, that fits that. I'm for that. Yeah. How about uh, failed AMC shows? It, that's not a failed show. I've watched the entirety of that show. This show's good. Did, do you like it too, Charlotte? I I liked 
I liked it, yeah. I, kind of forgettable, weirdly, overall. Mm. Like, I don't remember a lot of it, but I I think I remember liking it for the yeah, most part. It got four seasons. It I think it's reasonably like, well done. I just, like, in my head, it feels like it didn't hit like it should have. I don't think it did. I don't think it was a huge hit, but... Uh, yeah. Like, people seem to like it. Uh, I watched the first season. It, I liked that it kind of did its own thing, too. Like, you only I watched the first season it. and you're out here defending it? <laughs> you yeah, didn't even keep yeah. up with it. I Well, you, something happens with me a lot. I'll watch the first season as it comes out. And if I like it, I'm like, well, I'll wait till the entire show's done. And then I'll yeah. go back to it. And I just haven't. And you didn't. Instead of, well, it's just, it's been a couple of years. I haven't. Don't I like the Irish Vampire guy, yeah. I think. It's uh, it's what? Yeah. The Irish Vampire guy. Yeah. He's, uh, he's I mean, all, all good okay. casting of the main three, especially Ruth yeah, Nega as, uh, as Tulip. Yeah, she yeah. was cool. She was super yeah. cool. Um, okay, so welcome back, Frank. You know, the final thing I do want to say about it is it definitely, it makes the Punisher very cool. Um, and I know this is, a, obviously, we've talked about the problems and sort of the ways that it, it fails. Oh, um, boy, here he goes on his thin blue line rant again. This Punisher is super cool, guys. <laughs> like, it's just, they have a, again, like, I think it's it's looking at it, it's looking at the origins of character, it's looking at the 70s crime inspirations, and while simultaneously, like, being like, yeah, this is a murdering nut and, and commenting on that, it's also like, hey, but we're here to entertain you, and we're going we're gonna to make him cool as a result. And I think it's more effective at that than literally anything we've read, right? I mean, I think, like, even, like, the Jerry Conway stuff with the Punisher is, like, he's making puns, <laughs> and he's shooting rubber bullets at Spider-Man. Like, there's a real goofiness to the Punisher in those early days. Um, and then it escalates into... And now he's just out here killing, yeah, all the the criminals of New York, right, um, to varying degrees of success and generally comics that none of us are super into. But this one is like, hey, cool crime guy, tough as nails, tells bad guys to get haircuts. He's so cool. <laughs> I mean, that's a good um, Whether you right agree or not, that, like... I, they're very committed to that approach for this character. Yeah. And I do, I am susceptible to that. I would be Him... definitely pretending I'm not. Him telling him to get a haircut, I think, is a pretty good sign that, like, you're not supposed to be, like... Like, you're supposed to find this guy, you know, not on the same wavelength as you. <laughs> right? Like, oh, yeah. That, that I don't, I don't he, connect on a personal level. These days, yeah. Right? Like, it's... And, I, you know, one thing that I, I think Ennis and Dylan do really interestingly is every time Frank has the option to, like, say why he does what he does or to be, like, I'm... It's revenge for my family or to have some sort of empathy or you know sad sack story every single time he has that opportunity he instead says i just hate bad guys i just i just hate villains right and he's just like it's just anger and it's just rage and they're not really trying to superhumanize him <laughs> you know what i mean no. like they they know they know the problem um they're, and i think they're aware and I, the final final thing with this is yeah there, the goofiness of it, you know, we talk about whether the humor works or not, and obviously that's going to be kind of a taste preference thing. But I do think the a certain lightness and a certain playfulness and not taking the Punisher too seriously is why I prefer this over virtually every other Punisher story, um, with the exception of some stuff that comes way later. Uh, it's just like I, I like that it has a playfulness to what is otherwise, you know, kind of what you're talking about, Charlotte, in terms of like the, the tonal dissonance of some of these things. I think because it's also over the top and kind of kind of silly in its dark humor, mm -hmm. um, it actually works for me better than if it's trying to have a serious conversation while simultaneously glorifying and celebrating this violence. That's where Punisher comics often fall apart to me. Um, 
And I have tried the NS Punisher Max stuff, and I hated it. Um, I don't know if I just read it at the wrong time or what, but, like, it did not work for me at all. So I actually very much prefer this, like, kind of, hey, gloves off. We're just going to do this. And Ennis, in the interview I listened to, he was basically like, hey, do you know why this tone? Like, it, but the question was basically, why'd you go with this tone? And he was like, well, it was before 9-11 happened. Um, and then after that point, it was like, well, this is the wrong approach for Punisher. Like, we can't tell this kind of story anymore. But I, frankly, prefer it, um, even in the wake of that. So that, yeah. I think that's why Welcome Back, Frank, is successful. There's a moment where he he's walking around and he was just like, <laughs> he went out for, uh, you know, a patrol and he couldn't find any crime. And he was like, <laughs> Giuliani's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> the yeah. streets are too cleaned up. Like, he's mad that he doesn't have anyone to kill. Uh, that That's clearly like, that's it just seemed to me a pretty clear sign. Uh, well, and and there's a there's a, also a moment where I'm fairly certain there's an Ennis stand-in. There's a bunch of people being interviewed about um, the Punisher, like a bunch of civilians are being interviewed, like by a news reporter, and it's just cutting from different person to different person. They're all having different reactions to him. And the last one is a pretty normal-looking guy that I think is Ennis. It's hard to tell because Dylan doesn't do like photorealistic drawings. Being like. What are you all talking about? This man's a fascist. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm I'm fairly certain that's Ennis. I couldn't find any backing online, but um, yeah, if anyone knows, uh, back me up on that. Well, it's definitely the voice of the author. I think if it's if it's not a visual, it's, yeah, it's voice of the yeah, author yeah. stuff. Exactly. Um, okay, so uh, Punisher, welcome back, Frank. Twelve issues, uh, and let us know what you think of it in the My Marvelous Year Slack, which you can join by going to Patreon.com/slash My Marvelous Year. Let's the fact it. that I the, the fact that I read twelve issues of Punisher for this and didn't quit the podcast tells you that it's not as bad as <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> it yeah. is if you like this, and I haven't read it, but I, I might keep going. Uh, it's a nine year run. <laughs> it's a wild run of yeah, Ennis and Dylan. That's too much. Doing man. this, uh, I'll, I'll I'm, <laughs> you know I'll return to this at some point. I don't know if I'm gonna do it right away, but I'm the, curious. The biggest downside to the Ennis Punisher run is you can't read. I mean, a huge chunk of it on Marvel Unlimited. Because it's Marvel mm, Max, Max stuff, stuff, and they don't carry yeah. the Max books. Um, that's, so that's the biggest knock, I would say. Uh, all right, let's talk some Black Panther uh, by Christopher Priest. We got Sal Valudo on art for most of these issues. Okay, let me let me just start things here. I was really excited about this. I'm like, all right, we're doing Priest callback to Jungle Action, to Panther's Rage. We got the Return of Eric Killmonger. I thought Black Panther number sixteen was really good. Like Eric Killmonger's back from the dead. We're gonna do a mm-hmm. whole modern Jungle Action callback. And then I just kind of, it was like, it was like every new issue I liked less and less and less as we went to the point that by the end of it, I was like, I was like, I think I might have overrated Priest Black Panther in my head. I still love the world building. I still think there's a lot of like, what it does for T'Challa, what it does for Wakanda is super important just because there wasn't a Marvel book doing that stuff, you know? Um you know, it's kind of, and it's like, it is one of those things where it's like, well, what are you comparing it to? You know, you have to run back to, to flipping 70s, you know? So it is kind of just like, well, it's been a vacuum. Um, I really like the Killmonger portrayal and the way he's, like, using, like, global economics to try and decimate Wakanda and T'Challa's game against that. I think all that stuff's super smart. But, man, the rest of it is just, like, it's real dense. There's way too much dialogue. And I think it's issue 18 is, like, a domestic violence travesty i've been warning you about that oh, yeah. for years yeah you were right i mean i blacked it out i completely yeah, blacked it's it out so so many people have i talk about this all the time because i've been talking about the priest run forever because i read this 
like five years ago and i'm like yeah like ross sucks he's like kind of annoying and like he just hits his girlfriend but it's played off as like kind of a gag and people are like i don't remember that and i'm like yeah he yeah. just slaps her and then she slaps him and then it turns into like oh yeah it's just the two of them fighting right and then they're it's like you want a, it's a sandwich? nasty scene like yeah even visually like it feels intentionally nasty in a way you can't come back from and yet they do <laughs> it doesn't come back it just kind of moves on as like it feels like they're trying to do uh like they just both needed to vent this out right but it like he <laughs> it's just that she dated somebody and didn't tell him a decade ago and so he backhands her uh really violently and then she punches him and then they you know yeah. get into a fight and he was just like you want a tuna sandwich and she's like sure and then they you know move on uh it's like this yeah, weird. I mean, it's this weird grotesque yeah. attempt to like, to like normalize. Yep. Totally. Like domestic violence, and it's it's awful, and it's it's even more jarring, because you have a villain artist on this issue, so you have mm-hmm. Silva Ludo style, which I think is quite good, um, and then you get to issue eighteen. It's a villain artist. Everything is drawn. I mean, Charles right. There's a real darkness. Everett Ross looks just like like he's possessed. These giant shadows yeah, under his eyes. It feels like the artist gives the weights to the scene that it deserves yeah until it until the story doesn't yeah which like there's a real dissonance that i don't know how intentional it is but if it is like why are we not going back to this like this is a big thing it should be it's i mean if he, uh, if it's one of the worst comics this, we've been i would say I, 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 it is so badly yeah, done and yeah, it is yeah. so poorly addressed and it is so it's just not dealt with in any meaningful yeah. capacity to the point where it's like what on earth did you think you were doing like and, I mean, you can you can like you can have something like this but it's got to be you know there's got to be something else i mean geez, even just... the even the hank janet you know hank hits janet that's act, that is that is dealt him. with that is yeah. that is at, like i'm not we talk maybe, about maybe that. you it can push bad, it to but next, like next month but it's been six months of comics and now we're in a dare a deadpool tie-in and it's still up in the air and now it's yeah it feels too late i guess and and ross is just like running around in in a robin costume and ling wakana like it's it's like it happens in another universe and like it's from it feels from a different comic like it doesn't match at all with the rest of the the stories is a thing Mm -hmm. yeah right no and it's like it doesn't it doesn't impact anything that's going on in the world of the actual like super heroics right because you have otherwise this is like a black panther team-up special you get Iron Fist, you get Power Man, you get uh, Moon Knight, you get uh, Brother Voodoo. Falcon, yeah. Right? You know, you, you Falcon a bunch. Um, like, it's like a you know, big multicolored superhero comic. And uh, and there's some interesting stuff going on, but that issue in particular is just like, what the hell? What the hell? Um, it's awful. I, Zach, you Yeah, I basically, on. I felt the same as you, Dave, uh, where I just felt my enthusiasm for this series draining issue by issue. <laughs> like, despite a yeah. few a few things that I liked, you know, I, I did like killmonger and i kind of like the relationship the economic stuff did not land the same way for me I oh guess that, that explanation of global economics i was eaten boy up. that I was, was, I was genuinely and also that. that that was the most of him like being like just taking a stance politically but also like v- real flimsy stuff Re- incredibly flimsy that, that is a very 2000 era just being like, sounds like you don't know how to make money my man <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm burning all my quarters at the uh, playing Blinko at the arcade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think like the to me this the 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 initial issues of uh, Priest's Black Panther we read felt special in a way this doesn't at all. And like 
because it felt so special, even the problems I had with the initial issues, like I could get through like the the stuff with uh, with Ross and the way the comic is structured with the, that is sometimes confusing. I could get through because it felt it felt important, felt special, and there was like some very interesting stuff in it. Here, like yeah, it feels like more more and more messy uh, with each issue and less harder to to really get into. Uh, outside of like what you said, the specific Killmonger versus T'Challa thing is interesting. I really like what they do with Killmonger as like a player in the Marvel universe in a way that like oh I you joked about it in the beginning, but I would have loved to see that with uh, Michael B. Jordan like interacting with the Avengers. We might. Oh, still I thought you meant what I said still. I was going to do to him. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, no. I mean, that's we would too, love but, um, to see that, Zach. Yeah, that's uh, that's like a twenty-five dollar tier of Patreon. Patreon.com/slash My Marvelous Year. Zach <laughs> and Michael B. Jordan. But yeah, like I, I'd never heard of that, like that part of it. But Killmonger joining the Avengers, being like, "I'm, I'm the new Black Panther now. You have to, to let me." In, which is weird that the Avengers, like, I mean, yeah, I guess that they that go along with it. So if you're that's Black really Panther, fun. yeah, yeah. That's... I, I like that, and I like their conversation around it. Like, it's not just yeah. they let him do it; they like deliberate, and they're like, "Well, he did some bad stuff, but it did seem like it was an intertribal conflict, and Wakanda itself didn't punish him for it. So, like, who are we to?" Step up. And like it's not the first super villain this first super villain that joins the Avengers yeah, sure. at this point. Right, right, right. True. <laughs> sure, they have a track. Um, yeah, that's real real interesting stuff. The the scenes of T'Challa and Kamonga like fighting but then taking breaks now and then and just mm-hmm. talking while oh, they those, take a those break are in between great fighting. Panels too, the All fight. from the point of view of T'Challa is really good. Yeah. Of Killmonger. Of Killmonger. Well if it, back and forth, I guess, right? But it's like the, yeah. the yeah. eyesight oh, POV. From the from the combatants, yeah. that's a that's a really yeah, that's nice, a very fun idea. And there there is a core T'Challa Killmonger story that works very well yes. for me, but everything else is just I just don't it's, it's get it, can get into. Some people talked about it in the first couple arcs, and I didn't get that where they're like it's so messy, it's so convoluted, and I was like I don't know, like I followed it okay, and I was like with it, and I was plugged into it, and I felt like there was a control, and I was like being like led deliberately through this like convoluted world. This is where I was like. Okay, you have too many threads. I'm losing it. Like I've yeah. lost the thread a bit. Um, but yeah, some some nice stuff. I did. I mean, I liked all the black superheroes showing up to fight together. Uh, like it's kind of nice. Uh, it doesn't happen that often. And uh, Sh- that, that shouts scene. to Danny Rand getting lumped in with all the black superheroes. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. and Moon Knight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Moon Knight, Moon Knight eventually. But no, the scene where like it's like Black Goliath shows up and Luke Cage and Falcon. Um, all they're fighting, like and then uh, and I like the there's a there's a small moment that's quite nice where it's um what's her name Queen Divine Justice, yeah, who's uh, an American who becomes one of the Dora Milaje, uh, and they go to Wakanda and they get on the subway and she just has a moment of being like I'm on the subway I'm on the A train in a technologically advanced community uh, society and everyone here is black and like she just has like cries for a moment yeah uh, just for like seeing seeing yeah. a world that could exist. Uh, compared to what she's grown up knowing, that that's a sweet moment. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting perspective as well. I, you know, one thing I, as we've been talking about it, that I've kind of realized is the biggest difference, or one of the things that makes Black Panther stand out from the early Marvel Knights launches, is it's the only book that just that just plays like an ongoing superhero comic. Um, mm-hmm. Everything else yeah. has here's the movie, here's the story, here's and the we're arc. Out. Yeah. Um, I mean, Inhumans literally ends, right? Punisher, Welcome Back, Frank literally ends. Uh, Daredevil keeps going, but the Kevin Smith Guardian Devil stuff is eight issues and out, and then we're on to other creators. So, like, there's a real clear stopping point. 
Black Panther doesn't have that. And on one hand, I'm glad it doesn't. This book should go for 62 issues, which it does, right? Like, have a good long run. That's how Marvel Comics get. And again, the history here is Black Panther never gets that. So it should, okay? But I do think a, a clearer delineation of, like, the priest, Mark Teixeira opening 12 issues or whatever, a la Inhumans, a la Welcome Back Frank, would have would have helped because now it feels like it has all the messiness and weight of a bu- of a run that's just kind of I don't know kind of lost its footing a little bit you mm-hmm. know yeah um, it has too many spinning it. plates yeah. and I think because of the chaotic nature of the storytelling which is fun initially and I'm with you Zach that I I'm like yeah I'm on board and I'm following it and it takes a little focus but I'm in um, that gets even more chaotic the more spinning plates you add to the narrative I think um, and it gets just kind of kind of a exhausting i think to not only keep up with it but then to read what is a very text heavy narrative approach um and then you know i'm i'm with you as far as the focus is where i'm like there's kind of like two things i'm interested in reading and there's like eight things going on you know and there are a lot of characters yeah a lot of characters like i'm interested when killmonger shows up and i'm interested when queen divine justice is doing stuff actually (laughs) like those are my two yeah i I appreciate him you have like the the weird uh priest guy from the early issues that's like basically arcade you have the the whole avengers team you have like all the other superheroes that are joining in you have rust and his supervisor like it's too many people there's wakabe there's uh what's the Anyway, yeah, there's a lot of characters, and I, I do appreciate him yeah. being like, I'm doing Black Panther. I'm gonna build up this world so that we have a like a lush cast of characters to pull from. But like, it, yeah, that's it's good. Just, the, the pacing is losing it, so like, they're, they're starting to like yeah. not just blend together, but you're just kind of losing the thread on like, you know, like it. It was taking me a while to like remember, like, okay, there's Queen Divine Justice, and then there's also um, Monica Jones. It's like a separate character. Lynn, yeah. And then like, but they're both tied in in like a similar way. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, I think as a, yeah. as a ad for reading Panther's Rage, it's reasonably oh, effective. Yeah, sure. Like there's a number of times where it's like, <laughs> yeah. go read that book, go read that book, go read that book. That's all true. Um, it definitely helps having read it, I guess, you know, as far as the Killmonger T'Challa relationship. Uh, I don't, as far as definitely like some of those like villains, like those, like the C-tier villains showing back up and that sort of thing i mean that's the thing i wouldn't have understood the first time uh but you know otherwise it's a pretty a pretty poor imitation of that story i think it it kind of needed it needed the center of killmonger and t'challa i think i think t'challa in particular is underserved like i think the actual king of wakanda the black panther is kind of lost in his own story yeah, in a lot well, of ways, that's a little how I felt the first time too, because I was like, "It's Ross, it's Ross's story." Yeah, <laughs> he's just telling Killmonger's story, but we get. But there was at least a, f- uh, a focus on T'Challa as the background, impressive figure at the center of everything, mm-hmm. right. in a way that he isn't here. Like yeah. he he does feel often like a secondary character in everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah, which I think yeah, is yeah. to the disservice of the book here. Um, yeah. You don't you don't want to lose that until because I, I mean that's the other thing is like this is a death of the black panther story arc in in some capacity right it's a killmonger wins and parades around with the avengers as the black panther story arc and i think the momentum and sort of the gravity of that is really undercut uh by just like we don't get a lot of what's actually going on with the child here and obviously you know like this isn't 
going to last more than a few issues. Like it doesn't feel like it's that kind of story. Um, well, he get and he gets killed by here. Killmonger. It's man, it's a really upsetting scene because he's fighting Killmonger, and then Everett Ross is just like, oh, "Hey, yeah. King!" <laughs> <laughs> and then Black Panther goes, "But what?" And then Killmonger kills him because that he's is the ultimate Rick Ross. Jones move. It's such a Rick Jones move. And it, Everett, it, it's is really Everett funny. the new RJ? Is Everett the new Rick Jones? I, I would say yes, except that like pre- you have to like him less than Rick, right? Yeah, but I think I mean I've talked to death about this. I talked about this to death. Uh, what did, what did she have to say? Feeling, no, it's just like it, Priest kind of gets how much Ross sucks. Kind of. He also I don't like, know. Kind of thinks he's fun. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. Like feeling where he's landing with Priest. So like he's still having a lot of fun with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, th- there's at least like there's some of this comic that is just making fun of him. So you get a little bit of that release, <laughs> where like Rick Jones. Yeah. Very rarely, people are just like, I gotta put Rick Jones in my book. He's so freaking cool. This guy, this guy rules. He was Captain America's sidekick once. I can't wait to put him in my comic book. <laughs> Zach, he won the Kree Scroll War. That was. Yeah, Rick. I know he did. He yeah. did it. He did it. Yeah. Man, Rick. Rick is the many man. times. Yeah. Rick is the man. Miracle I honestly, I'm surprised the MCU hasn't done it yet. I'm surprised the MCU hasn't like. I don't know what purpose he would serve, but I also feel that that's true in the comics. Who's so. the closest to a Rick Jones in the MCU? Is it um Everett Ross, Kat, Kat Dennings in the Thor? <laughs> I was gonna say Cat. Ooh, yeah, yeah, because she's her, awful. Right? Yeah, da, she shows da, up again is. in Wandavision. Yeah, yeah, she's okay in Wandavision. But. She, she, some people have a real negative reaction. Ooh, that's me. That's me, Dave. You're talking about you don't me. like Cat so, either. Oh, okay. I mean, Cat Dennings is fine. I don't know. She's you know probably what? Okay in I other think stuff, but I hate her is, in the MCU. C- is Korg the Rick Jones of the MCU? Oh, <laughs> that's slanderous. But after a lot, because of like he's he's here way more than he should be. Like, why is he a semi-important character in Avengers Endgame? <laughs> we need Korg to team up with one non-Thor hero. If he like, if he joins the Hulk mm-hmm. for a for yeah. a movie, then he's yeah. in, he's in as the new RJ. Okay, <laughs> I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Okay, all right, good stuff. Uh, unlike these comics, I, they just kind of bum me out. I think the Deadpool crossover, you know, I included because oh boy, that was just right. By, Wolf, by that, that point, is I like, was out. <laughs> the the second yeah. I like just like once I got into it, I was just like, oh man, this is this is a bummer. <laughs> this is so dense. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Oh god, and it. some real nasty, like continually nasty transphobe. Uh, oh books. yeah, with Titania. Like yeah, there's one. Oh, I yeah. can't remember who the guy is, but who keeps saying, "I think, I think, I think she's a guy, right?" You're a Which man, right? I've never seen you nude. Take take your clothes off. You're you're a man under the like. But the thing is, you, priest probably doesn't even think of it in terms of like, because you know, to him, probably transgender people aren't even like a consideration. To him, it's just a gag because it's funny to think. Yeah, yeah it's it's rough. Uh, and yeah, weird. And that... a lot of it, like that joke happens in... like. 15 times. It's super repetitive. Weird that in yeah. the comics we read today, uh, Ennis is the nicer person on queer stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ennis is nasty, but he... Uh, well, you yeah. know, I, I say that, but he also... The funniest thing in the world to Ennis is butt sex. Like, yep. he thinks sodomy is so funny. And uh, that's just the joke in and of itself. Or putting, like, a gerbil up your butt. That's also a real Ennis mainstay. <laughs> he loves that joke, too. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, Okay, all right. I think we can finish with gerbils up. Yeah, let's uh, let, let's end on the the butt se- sex yeah. note. Yeah. Seems, that seems always as as start usual with Michael with B. Jordan podcast. and end on the butt stuff. <laughs> Thank you.
What's anything Michael else? Jordan up to these days, Dave? Uh, the real Michael Jordan? Yeah. Not that yeah, imposter. Yeah, the real one. Not Michael. Not B. this uh, this new uh, imposter. <laughs> the real one. Uh, well, he was basking in the limelight after the Bulls documentary. Um, a lot of people were worried about his eyes being sort of discolored in those interviews, but I think it's just kind of a a medical condition. He seems okay. He is still the part owner of the Charlotte Bobcats, and they're struggling. Ooh. They're not doing well. Um, <laughs> Charlotte, Charlotte's like, oh, that's yeah, my Bobcats are doing well. Sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> to me. Tell me more about these. Gosh, you love the Bobcats. <laughs> oh man, tough, tough team to love. Tough team to love. I gotta say. Yeah. Um, is that honestly you that could be NBA making team? up the name of that th- team? And I, it, I that that is one of the more made up sounding uh, teams yeah. for sure because it was a, Wait, they were renamed. That, they used NBA to be the Charlotte Hornets. They were the Charlotte uh, Hornets oh, they were for the years. Hornets. Okay, and then right. at some yeah. point in the two thousands, they rebranded to the Bobcats because the Charlotte Hornets moved to New Orleans. So now it's it was the New Orleans Hornets, but then they rebranded to the New Orleans Pelicans. Right, like this is this is a uh, summer's family tree level continuity, I think, as far as yeah. NBA franchise. Yeah, there's a there's a New Orleans Pelicans and the Charlotte Bobcats, and those now that I'm saying out loud to people, two people that don't follow the NBA might be the most made up sounding. Uh, yeah, I feel the, like I'm describing <laughs> X Men characters to my non comic reading friends. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it's that's, that it's that does. Oh that man, is. amazing. Uh, amazing, Dave. Yeah. The Charlotte Bobcats rebranded to the Charlotte Hornets in 2014. Wait, they're back to the Hornets now? Is that since right? Tw- since 24, eight years, they have been <laughs> the Hornets. <laughs> that, shows, that shows how little stock I put in them as a contender and as a threat. It was 10 years. Chicago it was Bulls. 2004 to 2014. They were the... Well, Bob good. Bats, they should they be the Charlotte back. Hornets. They should yeah. be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was one of my favorite jerseys in the 90s. They had this like real teal and purple combo. Give me that Glenn Rice Charlotte Hornets jersey. I, seriously, if anyone wants to give me a present, <laughs> a, a '90s Glenn Rice Charlotte Hornets jersey is literally a dream of mine. Ooh, um, I just, I just speaking of mine, I just bought you and Charlotte your Christmas presents. And, I just uh, bought you yours. Ah, oh, hell yeah! That's that's why I did it because you give good presents. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I thought it was. I, uh, I'm very excited to give it to you because I I desperately want to show these off in the Slack, uh, but I can't yet because they're <laughs> presents for you too. Um, so. Uh, I, maybe maybe you'll get them uh, early November, <laughs> and you can open them then. Okay, so I can start showing off these things. Okay, sounds awesome. Uh, it's a Charlotte Bobcats T-shirt. <laughs> I hope so. It's it's just the entire team of the Charlotte Bobcats <laughs> team picture. <laughs> it's just a Bobcat for Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> nice, amazing. All right, so next week we're going to talk about um, uh, some Spider-Man comics, some Daredevil comics, and some Captain Marvel comics. Some interesting stuff. Some interesting comics coming up. I'm excited about this next episode. I think I feel pretty good about the quality level. Um, so, so it'll be going to look forward to. And of course, you know, you subscribe to the My Real History Podcast and you'll hear all of what's to come. You can check us out at comicbookherald.com. You can find at My Marvelous Year on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, music for the show is by Disaster Piece. And of course, you can support the show by rating and reviewing on iTunes, which is greatly appreciated. Or you can back us at patreon.com slash My Marvelous Year. We are the world's only completely listener-supported Marvel Reading Club from Origins to today. It's a true statement. Um, we're definitely the best. Oh, Maybe I shouldn't issues. say only. Go we're listen to that best. show. Extra uh, issues. We just, put, we just put out the first episode of Extra Issues. It's uh, it's out on our Patreon feed for six months before it goes on the public feeds. And I'm really proud of it. Our first episode's about Watchmen. Yeah, really, really good first and episode. I was, I was really intimidated about talking about Watchmen because it's like, it's a tough comic to discuss. It's so 
revered it's so talked about you know like trying to find something new um and i felt like a really it really like unlocked for me on this read and uh Charlotte and i had like a very like natural hour and 45 minutes on it uh because we had like so much to say on this um yeah. it's it was a really good conversation i think so and we have said everything there is to say about watchmen so no one has to talk about watchmen word. ever again now it's watchmen. done now yeah. now, yeah, now yeah. we can close the book <laughs> yep. okay. yeah i sent it to alan moore he hasn't um he hasn't responded yet. Well, that was when he when that quote rolled out the last couple of days about the infantilization of the American comic book fan. That was a direct response <laughs> to, to the episode. <laughs> so, well, I, actually, he just listened to the episode and decided he'd write a sequel to Watchmen. He <laughs> said, like, I was wrong. <laughs> Watchmen 2 coming out soon. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, maybe because I talked for two hours just about like, Watchmen's so cool. All the heroes are cool and buff, and I love to see them punch. And I think the message is that they're cool and good. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we all want to be Rorschach. Yeah, well, it is yeah. it is tough when you've written something and then that many people get it wrong, you know? Like that sure. everyone is getting it wrong and then fi- and he finally heard you, Zach, and he's like, oh, finally, somebody got it. Somebody got the point <laughs> they of They are buffing cool. That, yeah. That's what we drew. <laughs> that's what I have been Dr. saying. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Could you imagine? Yep. All right, cool. So check out Extra You can find that on Patreon six months early. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next year. See you next year. See you next year. Uh-huh.